Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Jersey. I saw him wearing it in the back office. What? what? Uh, That's a secret D? Yeah. What are you don't say it's Romo. Of it's course it's Romo. Who else would have You don't think he deserves to be MVP? He's on constantly overlooked. You are a traitor. How many Super Bowls have the birds won? Oh, Only thing I've got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys indeed? Hey, welcome back. Hope you're doing well. Let's get through this one together. What about them Cowboys? Cowboys lose to the Eagles. We've got John Mishota currently at the star, reporting live. Saad Yusuf as well. But as always, we've got Kevin, KT Fun Movie Premiere, Turner. What's up, KT? Hello, Kent. Good news and bad news. The good news, three very, very, very winnable games peeking at us. The bad news, tough loss in Philly. In a wild game, probably the most fun from a competitive standpoint or a casual fan standpoint game of the year. And here we are finding ourselves uh, huge favorites about to take on the Tommy DeVito Giants. Um, Start with you, John. Uh, for the audience out there, it is Wednesday afternoon as we record this, so we've had a few days to process, and I, I don't know about you, I had a, a, a like Monday morning when I was first going to the radio to start talking about this game a lot, I was having trouble talking about this game like it was a loss, even though it is, because the fight, the competitiveness was there, it's the little things. Penalties, oh, that's a thing. And stepping out of bounds, and you know, just a couple y- yards short here. But man, you had the odds-on favorite to win the NFC. You had them fearing you with 27 seconds left in that game, and somehow it just weren't able to execute down the stretch. I, I, how did you kind of feel? Uh, what you were able to process this uh, a little bit? So going into the game, I thought there was a chance they could have gotten blown out. Uh, something similar to the 49ers game. And after the first two series of that game, I thought that was still a possibility. You know, they go three and out, Eagles come down and score, it's 7 nothing. But when they answered, that was that was huge because that showed you that, no, this is probably going to be a game. Um, just you kind of been able to get a good read on this team early on in games. And so when they answered back on that second possession, I thought that was huge. And so in the second half, I'm usually, when I'm watching the game, I'm thinking, all right, so which what's the top story angle I should be looking at right here. And throughout that third quarter, I thought for sure I was going to be writing about how this is a defensive first team. That's the strength of this team. They needed to come up with the big stops when they needed them, and they couldn't do it. And they gave up the 14 points in the third quarter. That looked like that was a good shot. That was going to be the difference. I was already gathering my thoughts, and that's what I was going to write about. You know, That's what I was going to be going in the locker room trying to find out um, why the defense came up short. But then – 
the way they play in the fourth quarter. They get the three, three and outs at the end. Uh, they keep the door open for them to uh, be in that game. And, and yeah, like much like you said, I was torn on what, on which way to go with it. And then, so um, after the game, it was real easy for me to write about because I, pr- I would probably never forget that locker room um, just because of, it did not feel like a loss at all. And I can't even think of another post-game Cowboys locker room after a loss that reminded me of that one where there were just so much positive that the players were talking about coming out of that game. So in a way, it surprised me a little bit um, just because it's their rival. It's clearly going to come down to them too for the NFC East. And you're going to see them again in, well, for the Cowboys five games. So... Um, it's tough to just completely rip the team when they fought back the way they did. But at the same time, you know, you get down to the six yard line, 30 seconds to go. I mean, kind of feel like the Cowboys should have won that game. Yeah. And it does feel like only the Cowboys could, you know, be there at the six yard line. And the final snap of that game ends up coming from your own 27 or from their 27 yard line. But penalties and sacks, you know, a bit of a problem. I think, so there's a couple things. The penalties, the Eagles had 10 penalties too. So we can do that all, all we want. I almost like don't want to have that discussion because if penalties are still a problem in January, we'll have that discussion then. And yeah, it's like, funny because you got to kind of talk about it because it's been such an issue with this team for the last few years. Yeah. It's such a big talking point. It's been one of the biggest storylines anytime the Cowboys lose over the last three years. So you do have to talk about it. But I just looked at the way that game was officiated and – I just thought it kind of sucked for both teams. You know, I mean, uh, it, it played a big factor for, for both teams having some really bad football being played. And so, yeah, there are plays that I thought were called wrong for the Cowboys. Yeah, but some plays that were called wrong for the Eagles, too. So in the end, yeah, it, it's part of the game. But I don't sit there and look at, well, it's all in the officiating. If the officiating uh, was better no. than the Cowboys win that game. I, you can't say that. No, you know me. I, I don't like to do uh, any of that. That type of, uh, you know, I don't like blaming things on the officiating. And, I mean, there are some egregious things we see week in and week out in the NFL, but I don't like going that route. I think if you were to look at one thing on the offense, you would say uh, a little bit of a struggle still with Terrence Still, Do you think we're looking at an issue here with him just getting back from torn ACL? Like, I, do you fear that it's something bigger than that with him? I, I, I kind of feel like I don't. I feel like we might be in this, like, you can't do this with every single torn ACL or whatever, right? I almost, almost feel like the way we talked about Gallup, and Gallup is not back now, you know? So, but I, I mean, what are your thoughts? How do you evaluate uh, Terrence Steele? Because, I mean, A, it's a good defensive front, you know, that put pressure on you, but that's one thing that does jump out at you. Some From the very first series of the game to the very end of the game, you know, under pressure, and, you know, Dak taking a sack there that he kind of had to take, and it was pretty quick, and it was coming from Terrence Steele's side. Yeah, I compare it to the Gallup thing just because of the fact that I do think there are two parts to it. Uh, there is the health of your knee. Do you feel like your knee is where it was before? And there's a question of, of whether it is or not. And then the other part of it is the mental side of it. Even if the knee is fully healthy, are you completely confident in your abilities like you were before the injury? And so I think it's probably a combination of both for both of those players. And I thought that that's probably what you've seen from Terrence Steele. Um, but there's really no other options. You just got to kind of work through it because yeah. there's just the depth isn't there on the offensive line to try and find an answer in-house. He, he just has to work through it. That's that's the only thing that they can do there. Um, 
and so yeah it, I understand there you know the big thing a lot of people talk about after the game is well they got to give more help over there you also need guys to get out and catch the pa- passes too whether it's your running backs your tight ends you can't just keep them all in to block and be extra blockers all the time what are you gonna you're running around with three wide receivers on pass plays to try and win the game I mean that's gonna be pretty easy for a defense to be able to uh, defend that and so uh, they're in a tough spot and like I've said on here before you know just everything that I've seen points to that first round pick is going to be spent on an offensive lineman yeah and you know I think there's a lot of screaming on draft day hoping that they would take an offensive lineman whether it was first second round third round whatever not a lot of hindsight I don't want to do that well we've talked about might, it before yeah, they've gotten hardly nothing out of their draft picks this year right. you know if you Monday morning quarterback it, sure, it would have been the better move to go with the offensive lineman, sure. But at the time, you know, I had no issue with with what the, the what they needed to do defensively, running the ball to stop the run. Mozzie Smith made a ton of sense. But when you look at where they are right now, yeah, if you could go back and redo it, maybe Matthew Bergeron is is where you would have went with that. But I mean, Mozzie Smith's still young in his career. Uh, I know we're going to talk about the Giants game, but that's one of the things, looking at a game where, you know, you're favored by 16, there should be an opportunity for Mozzie Smith to play a ton. And so hopefully he can grow from that experience. Um, But, yeah, if you looked at it right now and you could just change it up for this current roster right now, I think that that young offensive lineman would be more of a help. I'm pretty sure he started every game, too, for the Falcons so far. So Yeah. Um, When you look at... Well, I'm just going to go there because I brought him up a minute ago. Michael Gallup, big game from Turpin, getting a touchdown catch, so getting used in the offense a little bit. And then Jalen Tolbert kind of coming out. I mean, would you, is, like, I don't, I'm not trying to be sensational here, uh, but, you know, is Michael Gallup, you know, in jeopardy of losing quite a few snaps here? Because it, I mean, a big drop, it's just not – I mean, it just doesn't – look like he's a focal point of the offense. I know there's been a lot of stuff about Brandon Cooks that's been talked about. You read a little article about that as well. McCarthy had you know, a quote about Brandon Cooks that's gotten everyone's uh, uh, going a little bit. But, I mean, I, let's look at the bright side of things. Jalen Tolbert played really well in a big-time environment. And then you kind of just not get anything there from Michael Gallup. It feels like it's I don't know. There's a lot of things you can think about, and I love Michael Gallup as a person. I wonder if they're wishing they could redo things from moving his money around and things like that, you know? Mm-hmm. You know how they've – I'm sure you've seen those. I think it's in Atlanta they do it, that, like, that like freeze race where I don't, remember, I don't know what it is. Oh, yeah, like the guy fast guy? <laughs> yeah. So that was Michael Gallup and – or actually Jalen Tolbert is that guy, and Michael Gallup is one of those fans that's got the big lead. <laughs> And that and that guy is coming and he's coming on fast and you can just tell that he's he's caught him. They're probably pretty close right now. But if things keep trending in this direction, he's gonna pass him by and he is gonna be your number three wide receiver. And one interesting thing I did want to mention though is so I mean, I feel like it's pretty clear that that's the toughest road environment the Cowboys will play in this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a very fired up fan base for good and bad reasons, very loud the entire game. But when Dak rolled out to his right and threw that touchdown pass to Tolbert in that corner of the end zone, the, how, just how quiet that place got. It almost felt like you were watching like a practice rep. And I'll just, I'll always remember that because it was just so weird how that happened. And it was such a big, high-intensity moment. And the way this, that building went just completely silent when that happened. And, I mean, the Cowboys had a ton of momentum at that time. And, as you mentioned, that is a, that's a good sign for Tolbert that 
it's one thing if he did that this week against yeah. the Giants, you're like, well, it is the Giants. They've pretty much waved the white flag on that team this year with all they have on the IR. Uh, Danny DeVito starting at quarterback. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, this shouldn't be a game. But to do that against the Eagles in Philly, I think that was a big step for, for Jalen Tolbert to build on. Like we had talked on here a bunch about just how good he looked in OTAs and mini camp and the way it was building in training camp. And we've seen some glimpses during the regular season, but this this one could be a, a huge game for his uh, momentum and, and for really his just his confidence that, you know, I think that he has the ability to be a number two, number three wide receiver. And he, and he showed it at times in that game. Let's uh, bring in Saad Youssef uh, here. Uh, hello, Saad. How are you, man? Doing good. Doing good. Let's go ahead and get to where you're at. I mean, John had kicked, uh, kicked around a few things. One thing I, I kind of kicked around was like, for me, it almost didn't feel like a loss. And he kind of mentioned the Cowboys locker room not being your standard post-game, you know, get your dauber down type locker room. How did you feel, you know, after watching that game on Sunday? No, I mean, first of all, the locker room, it was probably the least – um, like a lost locker room, I've probably been around in any sport, to be honest with you. And I've I've covered a lot of hockey, I've covered basketball. I can't remember a locker room where a team lost and it was and it felt so much like it didn't like they didn't lose in the post game locker room. Uh, you know, there was a lot of a lot of I, I guess you know high spirits, good spirits, and uh, and things like that. And you know, like. From from just an observer standpoint, I, I like I understand where that perspective comes from. Um, I thought Dak said all the right things he, even yesterday when you know John was uh, John was there at his at his event, and you know Dak made it very clear that there are no moral victories. So you know you're kind of saying all the right things, but I think you can definitely take some some a lot of positives from that because. Um, you know, John and I were talking about this after the game ended, and we we're like, you know heading out waiting for our uber and i was like i don't remember the last time i felt like the when the cowboys offense got the ball like there's just there's no i'm not saying it didn't happen i'm just saying it's been so long that i can't remember when i was just like oh yeah they're they're gonna score and um and they're gonna get into scoring range maybe not a touchdown whatever but they're going to drive down the field and score um and i think i had some doubts when they got the ball back with 46 seconds left but then after that PI, I was like, oh, yeah, they're they're going to go down and at least get into scoring range. So I understand all the positive vibes and uh, and that came out of that loss. Um, I also agree with what John said about, like, you know, Jalen Tolbert. I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to keep keep an eye on. You know, I made my second half predictions on The Athletic uh, today, and, and Tolbert was one of them. I You know, I said Tolbert, I think, can become that number three guy. They've kind of already started giving a lot of his workload to, or a lot of Michael Gallup's workload to Tolbert over the last two weeks, the Rams game and the Eagles game. So I will be interested to see how that all plays out and uh, kind of how the Cowboys are able to rebound from this. With Saad saying that, I just got to ask you guys this real quick. Thinking of when is the last time, when is the last time you've had this little confidence in the Cowboys running game? Because I can't remember for me. Yeah, it's, it's been a while, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. It's got to be when you're just you know trying to get something going with Joseph Randall or something like that back in 2015. I mean, definitely not in the Ezekiel Elliott era. Did you ever feel this little confidence going in? I'm not saying it was always this this bad. Maybe there's been worse times, but you felt like okay, you have Zeke and you have this. So it's got to be the Joseph Randall 
I don't know what was like, you know, they signed that guy off of like the Seattle Seahawks. I forgot right. like Turban. Turbo. Yeah, and then like oh, Darren wow. McFadden. Yeah. Darren McFadden. There was also some other guy that was like started with the, like it was like a Chris something. Alfred Carson. Morris. No, that no. was there there was another Seahawks. Christian Michael player, but hey, Christian Michael. Yeah, Michael. Yes, A and M great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably the last time I had this little confidence in the running game, though. Well, Who I believe you, got kicked guys... off the team for dress code. I believe that was a Jason Garrett no. dress code uh, thing. Oh wow! Yeah, that was that was definitely the the 2015 roster there, where um, I believe at the end of the year, your leading rusher. See, Darren McFadden still had a thousand yards that year, but yeah, Robert Turbin, Joseph Randall, Lance Dunbar, Kristen Michael. Lance Dunbar, there, there's one. But I mean, again, McFadden still had a thousand yards, so I don't know. If that like, I, so I didn't bad. feel great about it, but I felt I don't know. Yeah. I felt any worse than I do about this one. Lucky Whitehead was on that team. Forgot about him. If that oh, wasn't so sweeps, he did. He yeah, had, he, he had ten carries for one hundred and seven yards. Naughty Casino. <laughs> yeah, maybe they don't take <laughs> Zeke in twenty sixteen if it wasn't that bad in twenty fifteen. Oh, let me ask you this though, because this is a conversation that uh, pops up on the broadcast seemingly the last couple weeks too. Is this just a straight up point of attack creating holes thing up front? Or is there something to a role change for Tony Pollard? You know, I Greg Olson was going on and on, calling him the workhorse, and I'm like, he's had a couple games earlier in the year with twenty plus carries, but like he's gonna have more carries this year than he's ever had. I don't know that I believe that, but it makes it easy to have that argument the other way because it just hasn't been there. And he does look a little less bursty than maybe uh, he did last year. But I don't – I think it's way different than just like he's not starting, you know. Both, uh, both, are factor, both are factors, no question. It's not one or the other. But I actually think the bigger issue would be the offensive line. I think so too. I don't know that there's been a ton of holes there that if you had um, – a much better back, let's say, that it would be all of a sudden the running game's fixed and you have confidence in it. I think you'd still have issues regardless of who your running back is. I don't think that this is necessarily Tony Pollard's best role, but uh, he, he's he been a factor in it not being to where you were expecting it to be. I mean, this is supposed to be one of the key things this team was going to do this year was to run the football, lean on their defense, and you can see they've had to change from that because they haven't been able to do that. You know, that was the game plan going. I know we've talked about this in the off season. It's like, yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. That's the plan. But you're not just going to keep running it. If you're not getting any yards, you're going to eventually have to turn into a passing team. And, and that's what they've done. The running that's helped them the most is really Dak with his feet, getting outside the pocket and extending plays. That's been their best running. How much did they expect to get from Deuce Vaughn? feels like he's been a non-factor. He was inactive last week, right? Last couple weeks. Yeah, like when they it's were looking, nothing. when they were making the cuts, fifty-three feels like they anticipated him having a bigger role than he's had. Well, let's me. I'm glad you brought that up. Let me ask you this then. Okay, if we're gonna go back to then, I feel like you can say the same thing about Brandon Cooks and sure. probably a few other like, yeah. player players on the team. So if all those are under, who's over? Who's exceeded? Yeah. On the offense. Yeah. Jake Ferguson? Jake? <laughs> I don't think Jack. so. I think Jake's doing exactly what I thought Jake would do, is being that when you get those no Schultz there, you got the primary one reps. 
I mean, I don't know. I had a lot of confidence in Jake Ferguson coming out of last year. I think he's doing ex- pretty much what I was expecting him to do. Like, he's going to be a good player, and he's starting to show signs of it, but he's having the season. I, I expect him. C.D. Lamb's having the season I expected him to have. I don't know that they're exceeding expectations. I don't know. The last three games, C.D. has exceeded. I mean, he's just looked like he's playing with children out there. Yeah. <laughs> he's the... He's a really good player. Yeah. I mean, he's. I thought he was a top ten receiver coming into the season. He's a top ten receiver right now. He's. A, he has improved every single season statistically that he's been in the NFL. There's, I did. I didn't see any reason why he wouldn't do that again this year. He'd be my vote. Yeah. He. Oh, he's the. He's the leader of votes. But I don't think that there's any like obvious one that you're pointing. To. You're like, whoa, didn't expect to get that kind of production. Well, yeah. We I, I, I under think expectations I for most guys. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think uh, the other thing I will say to uh, to uh, KT's question, though, I, I definitely agree. There's a little bit of both, but you know what this this Tony Pollard things remind me reminds me of. Not again, I'm not making this comparison in running style because these two guys are very different running styles. But if you think back to in Dallas when you had Marion Barber here with Julius Jones, and you know Marion Barber was really good with Julius Jones as a good supplementary secondary back and things like that. Then they let Julius Jones go, or Julius Jones didn't come back in 2007, and Marion Barber had to be like the top dog. His yards per attempt dropped by a full yard, more than a full yard, um, when he had to be the bell cow. It just wasn't. It just wasn't the role that he was built to be in, and his his yards per attempt went down uh, by almost a full yard. Then the next year, they split the carries, and Felix Jones got a lot more carries um, than he did the year before. I think Felix Jones was hurt the year before. But so Marion Barber had to carry all the load. But then the the next year, Felix Jones kind of came back and you know uh, and and took and it was it was a lot closer split. You know, Felix Jones had over 100 carries and Marion Barber had over 200. But Barber's yards per attempt went up quite a bit. And and I think you know I, I'm just keeping this comparison in the house. But you can see a lot of different things like this. You know, throughout the league where a player is just better in a role, which is why like I would like to see Rico Dowdle get a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more run and see not not because I think Rico Dowdle is a better running back than Tony Pollard, but I do want to see if more Rico Dowdle can help restore Tony Pollard to a role that he's more comfortable in. Yeah, I wanted to and see them right. add Leonard Fournette because it's the exact thing. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted yeah. to see a guy that, you know, people talk about playoff Lenny. Um, I wanted to see a guy like that who has the experience and is a different back than Tony Pollard. And I, I doubt it would have cost you a lot to go and sign him and add him to the mix and seeing what that could have added for you. Because the thing I keep going back to is, and we've heard around here a lot, is talking about how you need to be able to run the football when everybody in the stadium knows that you're going to run the football. And that obviously plays a factor when you're talking about January games. And the way they sit right now, I just don't see a scenario where they're successfully running the football when everybody in the stadium knows that, that they need to run the football. Yeah, and the other thing with Fournette as well is that you didn't have to play any kind of politics game with Tony Pollard. You don't have to worry about what his long-term psyche. He's not even here past this year. He's on a franchise right. tag. You didn't have to worry about, oh, well, how is he going to feel if you know someone overtakes him? And you know, kind of a lot of the things that you had to deal with when you were kind of trying to put more Tony Pollard in for Zeke, you had to you had to kind of weigh like, how is this going to go in the room? How is Zeke going to take this? And things like that, you didn't have to worry about any of that with Tony Pollard because he might not even be here next year. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, 
Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, uh, I wanted to ask KT this because he has the most experience in this. How much do you think Mike McCarthy's a factor in all of that with the running back room in the sense of, remember how that one year, maybe it was more than one year, uh, where they went with Ty Montgomery in Green Bay, where you're just kind of like, wow, that's kind of wild. They're going to make that work there. Whereas maybe Mike McCarthy is just like, no, 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 no. Just give me these guys. I'll fi- we'll figure it out. We'll get this running game going. We don't need to go add a Leonard Fournette. How much do you think that would be potentially be a factor here? No, I think there's something to that. And I think a lot of it would be he would say, well, we can put it on, on the quarterback, right? Yeah. We'll do a lot of that. But I think as long as they can catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit, I think he's okay with whoever it is. And I think back to even when they won the Super Bowl, it was Ryan Grant, and then they it was like James Starks got play as a six-round draft pick because he started doing all the little things correctly and pass pro and all that. And Brandon Jackson would get a little bit of time. I mean, they relied on a couple years when injuries hit uh, to Eddie Lacy. <laughs> um, they relied on like John Kuhn played a, a few games for them as their primary running back for yeah. just to get by, you know without panicking and going and signing someone. So maybe there's something there to that. Are you saying Hunter Lipton needs a, needs a bigger role? <laughs> That's what it sounds yeah. like. 
Let's get him the ball a few times, right? But, but I think there's some two on what Saad said about Rico being kind of a similar guy to Tony Pollard. The thing is, though, if we're going by this whole, I mean, a, a bigger, slower guy, I don't think overall makes your yards per tip go up. If it does, though, then I guess consider it, but that seems wild to me that that's what kind of solves it. I do think it's a bigger issue up front, just like we're kind of talking about issues in pass pro a little bit too, against a good defense like Philadelphia. Players you're able to move the ball at the end of the game, you're able to do it. And I think what what got them hurt them the most in that game Sunday was just what happened in the third quarter where you were, weren't really able to get your hands on the ball in the third quarter. They scored and then you weren't able to do anything, and then they score again, and it's 28-17, you go to the fourth, and all of a sudden the game script is what it is. You're behind, and you are in desperation mode for the final 15 minutes. KT, this is bad. I just looked it up. Their leading rusher that year in 2010 was Brandon Jackson at 703 yards. Their second leading rusher was Aaron Rodgers at 356, then John Kuhn at 281, Starks at 101. (laughs) Well, I tell you what, wasn't that a key component of that offense all of those years when Aaron Rodgers – I mean, you know, I've been watching this a lot, just looking around the league, and it's hard to nail down. I think MVP odds, it's still Patrick Mahomes. Dude, Mahomes isn't running like he used to run. Yeah. He's doing the the Russell Wilson in his prime bit where he waits until the fourth quarter when he needs to extend plays. Josh Allen is running a lot, and – I, you can't tell me it's not affecting his play a little bit. Not that he's playing bad. He's fine. But, like, he looks like he's starting to slow down a little bit and those hits are starting to weigh in on him. Lamar Jackson's the other quarterback, you know, in the league who's a big name that runs a ton. But it's instrumental to how that offense moves and it fits the skill set. Dak doesn't run much. He doesn't want to run much. When he does run, it does feel like it is – but it does feel like it does open things up. It does feel like it's helpful. So you want to keep it up, especially in key games. Boy, I'm interested too. Now I just went down this down this path. Because we're going back to those Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers ran until about 2013, 2014, and then he kind of stopped. Um, how much, first of all, watching it live on the TV copy, I was like, he stepped out of bounds on the <laughs> two-point conversion. But boy, the game changes if he doesn't step out of bounds, and it's 28-25. I'm going to tell you, I think the game changes when you get the ball back with 47 seconds ago on your own 14 and you're able to get it within 30 seconds. You're all all, all of a sudden on the other team's six. I mean, that's about as game-changing as it gets. That was stunning. That was shocking how fast (laughs) pass interference and then then here's the roughing the passer. Wild. But you think about two possessions left that they ended up having. You know, you're kicking a field goal on the first one. Is the you know, first time you got down there, yeah, and yeah. then it's twenty eight twenty eight, and you're kicking the ball, and you might not be burning your timeouts, and who knows how the game goes. So I mean, to do what they did and get the stops and play for the win, but I, I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, so like Dak was not trying to run out of bounds. Clearly, no, obviously not. But watching it, I was like, oh man, you can't do that. And there's a little thing, the inches there, and then the schoonmaker just. Watching on the TV copy, you're going, that's a touchdown. And then we get into the formatics of the instant replay, and you go, geez, yeah, I guess technically it's not a touchdown. But when you're watching it live, you're going, okay, touchdown. 
just a couple. What do you think about that on the uh, on the instant replay? How they stop it immediately when the thing hits? Like your momentum of your your body can't even carry you forward. Like it's like they stop it on the exact frame. It is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, believe me, if it was on the other way and and it happened to an Eagles player in that same situation, Cowboys fans would be fine with it, and I get that. But it is something that needs to be looked into about how they. Um, you know, in future seasons, how they rule something like that. Because when they're reviewing a catch, let's take the end zone out of it, just wherever it is on the field, whether it's a catch or not, it's not like they're like, oh, he has possession as soon as the knee is down. No, it's like all the way, you know, the continuation, the entire body's on the ground. Do they still have it? Well, they're not doing it. Right, yeah. And they're not doing it there. And that's, you know, hey, let's be honest. How often does this happen? Not very much. And so, it's an issue that I I guarantee you they're going to take a look at this offseason because of stuff like that because it, you're almost judging the two plays differently whether it's by the end zone or if it happens in the middle of the field and so um, because of that yeah it's an issue but as the rule sits right now I think they got that that call is correct the the question that you would have is you know was there pass interference which that's not going to be re- reviewable in that situation um, but I mean yeah game of inches that's I mean there were just so many in that game I, as Saad obviously wrote about right off of that game. Yeah, and also like that got hit in the head too. Yeah, but but like you know, I talked to a few players, including Schoomaker, after the game uh, about that potential pass interference, and and you know they were all kind of obviously still riding the emotional high of that game. But even then, there were a few players who were like, "Look, if we're being objective, that that's a bang bang play. They're not calling that pass interference. That's it's it wasn't it it wasn't egregious enough to where that's going to draw a call." So. You know, multiple players even said that um, to me after the game. And so I don't think that there's too much. Honestly, I think the, the thing that screwed that whole play up was the free blitzer off the right side. I mean, if 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 Dak if Dak's able to hold on to the ball for like half a second longer, Schoolmaker's into the end zone by that point because he's fading up and out into the end zone. Um, the free blitzer off the right side is what screwed up the whole timing on that. Let's uh... – Go ahead. I mean, if there's anything else you guys want to cover. Oh, well, let me say this one time, actually. This is important. Uh, Kicker, 19 for 19. Brandon Aubrey, even with one doinker, continues to impress. So just a quick, fantastic. (laughs) Oh, clap, clap. Um, Martavis Bryant is a guy that I forgot existed. And yesterday, John, you report that the Cowboys – Signing Martavis Bryant. That was the most shocking thing that's happened to me this year. Not that the was Bryant more shocking. That was more shocking than if you told me uh, one of the six people on Friends would suddenly pass away tragically. The fact that Martavis Bryant would come up in conversation, I would have said that's weirder than that. Yeah, there's a part, a part of me that thinks what happened? This is a little bit of Jerry Jones trying to make a move of a player that people know as kind of a we're still looking at guys we're not done coming off of a week after that they didn't make any moves of the trade deadline i just don't know how this is going to make much of an impact when for one a bigger issue is getting brandon cooks the ball so a, a wide receiver who's in the prime of their career who um is healthy who is your number two wide receiver 
that's more of an issue to me. And then Tolbert would be next. And then there's Gallup. Is he beating any of those guys out? I, I just don't see how that happens. Talking to him today in the locker room, he talks about how, you know, he's in shape, but he's not in football shape yet. So at what point does he get to that level? And then the fact that he hasn't played in, in NFL games since 2018, I just, this isn't T.Y. Hilton from last year. You know, there's going to be a ramp up period here. Uh, uh, we'll see, but I, I just, I don't think anybody should expect any notable impact this season from him. It's like weird if that, if that was the case, like Jerry tried to do the whole thing. Well, we know we didn't do anything at the deadline, but look what I'm doing. We're rehabbing Martavis Bryant. Honestly, <laughs> I, I like, would have been, honestly, if it was for, for like I said, Leonard Fournette, you know, a week ago or something, I, yeah. I would have been like, okay, I get what you're saying there. More weirded but, out by Martavis Bryant or Blake Martinez. Well, the Blake Martinez story is very, very, uh, very wild. Yeah, but I mean, he's like Mar- 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 Pokemon guy. That on, on the radio, KT. <laughs> to yeah. me, to me, the Blake Martinez thing is like you're coming out of retirement to play for the Carolina Panthers. Like, needs that money, bro. I mean, get the money back. That, that, to <laughs> me, that's, minimum. Yeah, that's the weirder one. But 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 with Martavis Bryant, like, I'm kind of with John on this. Where it's it's not so much about picking someone off the street, but it's it's at what position. I mean, wide receiver is probably the one position where you just need to figure out what you're doing in house. Like. The guy that I can kind of keep coming back to is is like you know if they got Ndamukong Sue, like I'd I'd be like okay like I see what you're doing like I see where you're trying to address a position of need or doing something but like this doesn't really move the needle for me at all. Yeah, no, me neither. I think I can, uh, for Cowboy fans out there, but that's the position we're we're going after there. Let's figure out what we have at other places. Like there's other issues, but interesting. Um, I guess, you know, it's definitely something that happened. Uh, but I was just like, Martavis Bryant, what? Five years. Five, that's wild. But uh, hopefully he's doing well. Um, Interesting. This is going to be the Cowboys game, The I think probably the least interesting Cowboys game of the year. And that's coming off some big blowout wins <laughs> this year. I'm going to go and tell you guys the Tommy DeVito game. I have Cowboys 37 to 10, and I have Brandon Aubrey continuing a streak that many thought couldn't be done. He'll be 22 for 22 with three field goals. 37 10 Cowboys. Quite comfy. This could be a, lo- a load the box score game for Micah Parsons, too, it feels like, too, because that Giants offensive line is horrendous. Who wants to go second? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's. I think Parsons is going to have a few of these games in the next few weeks. The two teams that are giving up the most sacks in the NFL are the Giants and the Washington Commanders, and that's two of your next three games, I believe. And so uh, Parsons will have his chance. I'm going to go – I'm going to go Cowboys – I'm going to go Cowboys 38, Giants 0. So oh, shut two out. shutouts. Two shutouts of the Giants this season. Let's go to John. I'm going to go Cowboys 40, uh, Giants 7. I'll say that they somehow score a touchdown. Don't really know. It doesn't really matter. They won 40 to 7. Um, this is just such a big stretch right here. They got Giants. They got the Panthers. They got Washington. And while that's going on, the Eagles have at Kansas City, Buffalo, and San Francisco. I mean, this is the best stretch for the Cowboys to try and gain 
ground before them playing the Eagles again in week 14. So I it I think that this is a game where you, you if you're the Cowboys, you hope that by the early in the second half, you really don't have to even be playing Dak anymore. You can have some backups in there. Maybe this is a game where, you know, you can get Sam Williams some extra reps. Mozzie Smith gets some extra playing time and, and you get to work with some guys. Uh, another spot, that number four corner spot, you know, Noah, Noah Igbenogany, Nashawn Wright. I'd like to see them get a bunch of uptime in that second half too. Uh, because as we've talked about on here before, after, after that top three corners, you know, there's some concern about that, that next player that would have to step up. So I think that's what you look for in this game. Kent, what about your uh, prediction here? I refuse to believe Tommy DeVito's an actual person and not just a character from West Side Story. Or It sounds like, if you were to guess, John Travolta's character's name from Greece. That's what it is. Oh, that's Tommy DeVito. That's for sure, that's who that, who that is. I'm going in honor of your world champion, Texas Rangers. Dallas Cowboys, 53. Giants, 5. Nice. I, okay, I have a question for you guys. Um, especially if you're watching the broadcast, how many? If I put the over under at four and a half, five, four and a half, how many Danny DeVito mentions does the broadcast make? Man, I've already had that in my like predictions for the week because <laughs> I'm trying to get something that's a little bit out there this week. You know, something a little different. Live animal on the field. You're gonna need something to juice this thing up. Um, and uh, I mean, I'd like to think that little baby KK is above the low hanging fruit that is Danny DeVito references, but I think you're going to get it. Yeah. Three, four. I mean, he's got to tell the story of Tommy DeVito (laughs) and you can't do it without Frank Reynolds. Um, so yeah, I would say I, uh, hold on. I was, what if, what if the Cowboys lost this game? Oh my God. How dare you, John? What if that happened? They did lose to the one and eight Arizona Cardinals. Who are still I told you that's my fear. <laughs> I said that last on last week's podcast, I know so I'm sorry to repeat myself. My fear is that we look back at that Cardinals game and go, that's the game that cost us home field. But you either want to be the one seed or you want to be the five seed. Those are your options in the NFL playoffs. And the Cowboys are front runners for the five seed. I will have eyes on I'm, – I'm convinced that Seattle's not that great. I don't even know what I think about Detroit anymore. They're going to have an interesting one against a kind of a desperate uh, uh, Chargers team. You get a good read on them maybe. The, Lion, uh, the Seahawks, still confused by them. San Francisco and Jacksonville will have my attention. San Francisco going to Jacksonville off a of bye week might think a little bit different about San Francisco in a month. It's not like their schedule's a piece of cake all the way through. There's a lot of, a lot of questions about those NFC teams, and so I think that Cowboys game where I thought about this is like if you beat the Eagles at home December 10th, whenever that game is in a month, you know you wipe out what happened last Sunday, and then it's just. You know, whoever did the best on the way down. And you have a really good opportunity of when you do go to Buffalo in week 15 and then have to go to Miami in week 16 
to put yourself in a position if you go one and one in those games that you're still maybe tied with the Eagles. You've got a chance to do that unless the Eagles just turn it on, flip a switch, and become world beaters. And But I don't know that I see that in this Philadelphia team. I see them as being very good. Yeah, and also Dallas, I mean, you talk about that stretch. I mean, you got the Eagles, you got the Seahawks, Eagles, and then, you know, as you mentioned, the the Dolphins and the Bills, but then you have the Lions back at home as well. And I think that's a tough stretch for Dallas. And we've talked all about the Eagles' tough stretch. But, KT, as you mentioned, 49ers don't exactly have a piece of – like, don't have a cupcake schedule either. They got Jacksonville. They still got to play Seattle twice. They still got to play the Eagles. They still got to play the Ravens, who look incredible right now. So they still have quite a bit left. So I, I'm not so I'm not so quick to put you know the NFC is not the NFC race is not over by any stretch, and I think it's going to be no. really interesting down to the end. I agree 100. percent And then, and then Detroit's going to end up being the one seed, and we're all just going to be like, "What the hell is happening?" So, how did that happen? <laughs> I I think the real thing that we're all really talking about this week is, you know, ABC's decision to put Texas and TCU in the night spot over Florida State and Miami. I think that's the big story, and um, we'll be we'll be tracking that here on about the Cowboys. It's Giants <laughs> week. I don't know what you want for us. We're not going to give you a hard hitting preview of what the Giants have to offer and I will apologize if we lose if the Cowboys lose and we're discussing a Cowboys win next week if that happens yee if that happens uh you apologize and we'll have audio of Saad going around the locker room and having individual players apologize to the fans (laughs) and then we'll play that audio on the show can't wait that would be good I would love to hear guys I'm sorry I I mean (laughs) Everybody listening to about them Cowboys podcast. We're sorry. We're Can you embarrassed. Please apologize to the fans. Yeah. <laughs> no, it won't be please. That's gonna go. You apologize to the fans <laughs> why is, right now. Why, why is Brian Anger apologizing? I don't understand. This is this is a uh, very odd. Well, I don't understand why Cooper Rush is apologizing right now. <laughs> you go to you try to guy. talk to guys who didn't play. Yeah, he's the only guy that was available. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, guys, uh, we'll catch up next week. It is a home game, so enjoy not traveling uh, for a week. And, you know, obviously you'll be getting ready. Let me click you, the Carolina game. You don't go to Carolina much, so you'll get that one. And then three straight home games. So, hard to believe. Week 10 is already here. Uh, keep tracking Assad over there as he covers the Red Hot Dallas Stars. Well, they've cooled down a little bit, but they're still very good. And uh, also, uh, Father John Mashoda. Check out... Uh, his work uh, throughout the week as well as always and for our producer Kent Garrison as well. I am Kevin. We'll be back next week getting you ready for the Panthers, telling you what happened against the Giants and trying to solve any other Cowboys issues that we need to piece together. We'll see you next week on About Them Cowboys. Don't say it's Romo! Up